Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello, and thank you for tuning into this week's podcast. I don't know whether it's the time of the year. You know, Halloween has just gone by. The evenings are getting darker. November is traditionally viewed as uh, the month of all souls in the Catholic tradition. But this week's podcast is a little bit more macabre, maybe. Um, I'm calling it the ultimate teacher. And of course, the ultimate teacher is death. So on the surface, it might seem a bit full of doom and gloom and mortality. But when I was going through uh, my thoughts on this as a topic, I actually found it much more uplifting and inspiring than maybe it might appear on the surface. So bear with me a little. You know, so often we hear phrases at funerals such as life is too short or it puts things in perspective or it reminds you of what's really important. That it, of course, being death. My family, we had a bereavement earlier this year, actually last Christmas, so it's almost a year ago. And of course, from my perspective, the passing of a loved one remind me of how precious life is. And uh, some of you may know as well that I'm dealing with ongoing health challenges. And those challenges, of course, get me to think of my own mortality. And then next year, I'll have a birthday that ends with a zero. And I think those sort of milestone birthdays also get us to think about what have we done with our lives? And, you know, maybe we're getting to the halfway point and there might be more history behind me instead of mystery ahead of me, as it were. So in in preparation for this week's uh, podcast and talk, I, I scribbled down a few of my thoughts around viewing death as the ultimate teacher and what is it here really to to teach us and there were seven or eight things that I noted along the way. Before we get into them I want to bring to your attention uh, another podcast that I would recommend. I was recently interviewed by a lovely lady Jayanne Walsh. Her podcast is Mastering Your Wellness and it's available on all the main platforms including her own website Mastering Your Wellness and we had a great conversation about many things including overcoming challenges and changing mindsets. I was smiling to myself afterwards because she was a very good interviewer and she brought me to places that maybe I don't normally go to. They were they were quite personal. I was speaking about, you know, kicking, you know, cancer into the 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 grass, as it were, when it gate crashed my life for the third time in three years. And um uh, I felt a little bit of a vulnerability hangover, which I think is a phrase that Brenny Brown has used before, because like, have I shared too much? But as I often say, I try to speak from the heart when I'm speaking with groups. And if you speak to the heart, it goes to people's hearts. And that, of course, is where the insight and the flow and even the aha moments come from. And I listened back to that podcast myself recently. And I said, there's a few little gems in there. So I would recommend that it's uh, Mastering Your Wellness. The lady behind it is Ann Walsh. And I think the episode I'm on is episode number 23. So back to this week's topic and death as the ultimate teacher. Uh, one of the few newspapers that I get, tangible newspapers that I get every weekend is the Financial Times. It often stands out because it's like a pinky salmony colour and uh, there's always great coverage and great interviews in it. But in their Sunday magazine, they have an interview with someone who's usually in the public eye. And interestingly, one of the questions that they ask, because it's the same questions every week, is do you believe in life after death? And it's always interesting to get people's take on that. Uh, of course, if 
I'm asked that question, it's a, it's a strong yes. But the uh, perhaps there's another version of that question, though, which is, you know, is there life before death, not just after death? And uh, I think a lot of us can be more scared of living life fully than we are of death. What I found um, funny and almost ironic in this area recently, when the topic came up with the, with a client I was working with, and I asked them, you know, what maybe stops them living life more fully? And I expected to hear something like, you know, time pressures or priorities, responsibilities, maybe fears or whatever. But but their their response, and it was so deadpan, you know, what stops you living life more fully? It's like, I die of embarrassment. Um, and it sort of broke the ice. And we did have a good laugh about that. Um, but if we if we get serious about this for a, for a moment, you know, imagine if you were told you had a week to live or a finite amount of time to live. How would you spend that week? You know, what would you do? Who would you spend time with? Uh, what would you say that perhaps otherwise wouldn't have been said? I often think, you know, there's so much trivia that clogs our brain and our time and our energy, maybe grudges, perceived slights mistakes we've made, poor choices. And of course, death puts, or the, the thought of death, even puts all of these into their rightful place. I came across a little while ago, a beautiful quote, it's uncredited. I think it originated on a, on a greeting card many years ago, where, you know, it says life is not about the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breaths away. And I think that's just fantastic because, you know, the daily tribulations and routines of life often numb us to the gift that life is. And maybe life isn't really about the number of breaths we take, but it's it's how we use that breath and those moments that take our breath away. So that maybe first one to ponder is not the life after death question, but the life before death concept. There is that old adage, of course, that there are no pockets in a shroud. And of course, that's true. We cannot take it with us. We know the theory that we're all created equal. Uh, maybe there's the George Orwell piece where some people believe in some people being more equal than others. But that teaches us, uh, or rather shows us, that we're all heading towards the same destination. And that's a humbling thought. But of course, it reminds us as to, you know, it's what we do on the journey that matters. I often use the analogy there of maybe going on a holiday and we were away in the Canaries back in September. And, you know, we left from Dublin Airport and we flew to Lanzarote and then we had two weeks there, which were which were great. And then we came back. If you were to think of that logically, you know, you're returning to the same place that you started, Dublin Airport, but it's what you do on the two weeks you're away that brings the memories and the, you know, the greater emotional fulfillment and the pleasure of relaxation, etc. And maybe life is a little bit like that. You know, we come perhaps from the spirit world and we return to the spirit world. Um, so it's what we do in maybe more than those two weeks in the sun that uh, that really counts. So that second maybe reflection on death as the ultimate teacher is remembering that we cannot take the tangibles with us. Um, it's what we do on the journey that really matters. I've said it before, but in recent times, I've spent some time in hospital. You know, usually it's a day or two days or maybe three days at a time. And I often think being in a hospital bed is uh, perhaps a place for philosophical ideas or thinking about the big questions in life. It certainly has been for me. And whilst, you know, I'm getting treatment and I'm, you know, in and out for a few days, there are many people whose hospital stays are a lot longer you know, or who are in care homes or who are in hospices. 
and and I often think about you know those people and maybe they're aware of their mortality they're aware of how unwell they are and and what does that uh, you know cause them to think or feel and maybe fear is in there or you know maybe there's regret but if if we imagine someone in hospital just being told that they have a few days to live or you know that they're not really going to be able to to leave the the hospice or the home that they're in you know how much would that person give to be able to go outside and feel the wind and the rain on their face you know i was stuck in traffic last night coming back from somewhere and there in, in addition to it being really bad then there was a, a crash on the m50 and it was closed for about 40 minutes um and i was exceptionally frustrated and hungry and everything else but then i was sort of thinking you know there's probably countless people who are in so much more challenging scenarios where maybe having an hour to themselves in a car would be respite, you know, and if you're in hospital and you're looking at the four walls, you would probably not mind being stuck in traffic for a while, at least knowing that you're you're going to move forward at some point, you know, and again, if you're in that sort of situation, how much, you know, how much would a, would a person give to have another family meal or a walk in a garden um, or even being able to take a, a breath um, more easily? You know, my uncle who passed away at Christmas of last year in the in the few weeks, you know, before he died, he was unwell, uh, seriously unwell. And in the last you know week or so, he really struggled to breathe. His heart wasn't able to to get rid of the carbon dioxide. It was getting too weak. And to see him struggling for a breath was so horrible and, and it was real suffering. And it remember it got me thinking about the fact, gosh, you know, we breathe countless times a day and we don't even think about it. And for someone who cannot breathe, you know, the sense of appreciation or gratitude they would have for perhaps the most simple thing. You know, I often think we go from A to B uh, with our minds either mulling over something that happened in the past or worrying about something that might happen in the, in the future. Whilst all the time, the precious gifts that's the, that the present presents is passing us by. One of the things that I've found when there's been bereavement in my family or, you know, even when I'm contemplating these bigger life and death type questions is that really in the end, what death teaches us is that life is all about relationships. I often think we become immortal when those we leave behind think about us or hold us in a special place in our hearts. You know, and that's true for our friends or family members or parents or grandparents who've passed. You know, if we're thinking about them, they're still alive to us possessions you know the pairs of shoes the bags the cars whilst they might bring enjoyment you know for sure or a sense of achievement they're not worth one iota when death enters the room it's the people you can turn to and the people who will support you that are the true treasures in life ultimately it's really about love as i see it the love you give and the love you receive and of course the people in our lives and our relationships are the the gateways the the conduits for love now, here's a little exercise that makes us aware of the temporary nature of life. I want you to consciously, just for a moment, take a breath in and then breathe out. I've often done breathing techniques on other podcasts. It's a way of, you know, resourcing ourselves and tuning in and calming ourselves down, connecting with the present moment, moving out of our busy head, etc., etc. But again, consciously take a breath in, maybe hold it, and then breathe out. As I say, it's a beautiful way to relax. There, there will come a time, though, of course, when we breathe out, but we will never breathe in again, where we literally expire. And that's a scary thought when you think about it. Um, but it's also a fact of life. 
you know, it's interesting the words inspire because sometimes I do little sessions on inspiration, particularly around creativity with groups, you know, and inspire you know, to breathe in and then to expire to breathe out. But we can look at that in a very physical way as well. You know, and if we think about it, maybe somewhat philosophically, it's like, what do I want to do with the remaining breaths that I have? Because that's a finite number. And if we park the expire bit for a moment and we look at the inspire, you know, how can I continue to inspire myself or fuel my soul is the phrase I often use there. So inspire and expire, we breathe so unconsciously, really, most of the time. Um, and let's just acknowledge, one, how precious our breath is, two, to acknowledge as well that, that, that it's a finite number of breaths that we have, um, and how do I want to maximise them? There is that fairly basic life coaching technique where, you know, death is viewed as a life coach. Uh, basic coaching tool that involves imagining you're approaching the end of your days and having lived a happy and fulfilled life. You know, maybe you're approaching your 100th birthday. And you have an opportunity to speak to the generations that follow about everything you're most proud of and the wisdom you've gained. So if you imagine that 100th birthday party, as you approach the end of your life, what are the lessons you've learned? What are the achievements you've like, you know, that you've accrued? What's the wisdom that you've gained? What would you love to be saying or imparting to others as they're hanging on your every word? I often think such an exercise like that helps us to focus on what's really important. It gives us the, the much more longer time view or time scale of our lives. And oftentimes when we when we take that perspective, it gives us a neat little reminder of what's useful for us to maybe hear and possibly act upon in the present moment. Otherwise, we, we drift into putting things on a long finger and we know how quickly the years go by. We're only a few short weeks away from 2020. And what I found recently as a scary thought is that, you know, we're as far away from the year 2000 now as 1980 was to 2000 at the other side and how quickly that time has gone by. So that that basic life coaching technique of imagining being towards the end of your life and what advice would you send back to you now is, is a simple one, but it's a good one. For me, I think life in the present moment is about having greater levels of consciousness or even to heightened awareness. You know, that might be at a simple level around taking more conscious control of our breaths. It might be more consciousness around where we're sourcing our food and clothes from us, for, you know, for uh, carbon footprints and all of that. But that piece around heightened awareness, I think, is equally relevant here. So if we go back to that scenario of being told you've only got a finite amount of time to live, everything you would do would be steeped in meaning and significance now imagine if you lived an element of that every day what would be different would you be worrying less would you be taking more chances would you be just savoring each day as it comes being open to receiving saying things that perhaps otherwise you wouldn't have said going on more adventures and that heightened awareness perhaps gives us some clues as to how I could just turn up the volume on my own life and move beyond some of the the routines and the habits that we have that in many cases serve us but in other cases hold us back.
So I've one or two more observations to share with you in this whole area of death being the ultimate teacher. Um, and I hope having listened to this point that it's not as sad or as depressing as, you know, the title might sound and that it has stirred up some, some thoughts and ideas for you. Um, I want to bring to your attention the fact that SOAR 2020, my annual flagship workshop, is only a few weeks away now. It's on Thursday, the 30th of January. More details are available on my website, jamesweetman.com. This is the 10th consecutive year for SOAR. So we're starting with some, some nice glasses of bubbly, which is a nice way to welcome people to the Westbury Hotel when it's on. We'll be there between half six and nine. As ever, part of the evening is about focus for the year ahead, uh, goal setting, but looking at it in a, in a very modern, emotional success type way. And then the second part of the night is about self-care, well-being. And in particular this year, I'm looking at the topic of overcoming imposter syndrome, something that we all deal with. So tickets are available, as I say, through my website or on Eventbrite. If you just search for SOAR, S-O-A-R 2020, the early bird tickets are €55 Euro plus fees. And that includes all the refreshments, including that nice glass of bubbly when we arrive. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it myself. The room will be full um, uh, as it was last year. Um, which is great and there's always great synergy there as well and I think having it a little bit later in January this year you know it, it perhaps gives us that much needed boost um, um, when, when January can seem such a long month. Uh, there's of course more information on the website as I say as well as uh, more tips and insights and articles on a range of topics and of course if you've not joined the community which you can do through my website you get the monthly e-zines as well which always has the latest um, events that I'm speaking at and some articles and tip sheets as well. One of the other things that pondering this big question in life and seeing death as the ultimate teacher is uh, getting comfortable with yourself. You know we come into this world alone and we leave it alone. I'm often reminded of that and you know, when I'm in hospital and I, I have a lovely family and great friends and a support structure, you know, but there are times when it's just me in a bed with a blue curtain around me. And it's at those moments that I am reminded that, you know, perhaps ultimately we all have our own paths. We all have our own challenges and no one really knows what it's like, uh, what goes on on the inside in ourselves. There's always that personal space within ourselves. And we come into the world alone, as we say, and we leave it alone. As I often say to clients, you know, no one else will live your life just in the same way as no one else will die your death. Um, and then, of course, when, you know, end of life comes, there are no roles for us to play when we die. We're no longer a father or a sibling or an employee or a wife or a friend. You're just a spiritual being who is having a human experience. And for many people, they struggle being in their own company. And nowadays, there's so many distractions with phones and TVs and podcasts and books and magazines. And, you know, we can easily distract ourselves from thinking deeper thoughts or contemplating the bigger questions and taking an assessment of our lives. And uh, one of the things that, say, meditation or quiet time or even walks in nature uh, does is allows us to just get a little bit more 
how would I say, to befriend ourselves a little more. And that's something else that when I thought of my reflections on this topic of, you know, death as a teacher, that sense of getting even more comfortable in your own skin and becoming your own best friend uh, also surfaced. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. And as I said at the outset, might be a macabre or, you know, um, how would I say depressing type of topic. But at the same time, no one, I think, has avoided death yet in this world, certainly not physical death. And it's, it's just one of those realities. And as Byron Katie would say, of course, if you argue with reality, you will lose. And uh, I found when I reflected on it that rather than it being depressing, it was a good reminder and it, in, it inspired me in many ways to focus on what's, what's truly important. You know, perhaps death is the greatest teacher because it makes everything that precedes it even more precious. Uh, the depth, as I put it, instead of death, you know, the depth of our life experience and our sense of appreciation and levels of fulfillment are, per are perhaps heightened when we know that our time here is um, finite. Um, I do think it's interesting that perhaps as humans we are hotwired, our brain is hotwired, so that we don't focus on death that much, you know, so that we're not living in doom and gloom. And maybe perhaps deep down, though, that's because we have the wisdom that we know that perhaps our bodies die and decay, but our spirit endures, you know, because perhaps it existed before we came into our physical bodies and it continues afterwards. If I go back to where I started, I often think fear of death is one thing, but perhaps fear of life is worse. And I do firmly believe that what gives life meaning is the willingness to live it fully. Uh, we do what needs to be done and we say what needs to be said and we learn what we need to learn. Uh, but at the same time, we're we're trying to have as much fun as possible on, on that journey, you know, on that holiday of life, as it were. So thank you for tuning in. As I say, I hope you found these reflections and musings on what appears to be a serious enough topic of benefit that perhaps it has reminded you of some things that are important to you and maybe stimulated an idea or an action. And one final thought with that. You know, perhaps as the person who, you know, is lying in a hospital bed and, and would appreciate the simple things in life a little more. Maybe that's my invitation from for this week. You know, what can you appreciate that perhaps otherwise you have ignored or just taken for granted? You know, or perhaps there's something that you want to say or express love towards someone or thank someone for something. Um, uh, and don't let that go unsaid either. So thanks again for tuning in. And until next time.